Welcome to another episode of Spud Chat. My name is Ryan Barrett with the Prince Edward Island Potato Board. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, pesticide reviews and specifically around the topic of chlorothalonil. In late February there was a proposed decision announced from PMRA to cancel all uses of chlorothalonil. Uh, despite a lot of changes that have gone into the use of chlorothalonil and the label uh, in 2018. So today we have David Jones with the Canadian Potato Council uh, to talk to us about how this process works, what it means for producers, and how producers can be part of trying to tell the story and advocate on their own behalf, uh, work with us uh, to make sure that the PMRA has the full story when it comes to uh, how chlorothalonil is used, how it's useful uh, on your farms, and uh, and trying to retain a tool in the toolbox. If you have any other questions or if you have any feedback about anything you hear here on Spud Chat, please feel free to contact me, ryan at peipotato.org or uh, at rbarrett, uh, PEI on Twitter. Without further ado, uh, let's uh, talk to David. Today on Spud Chat, I am talking with David Jones. Uh, David is be well known to many of you in the industry, many of our PEI potato growers. David is the potato industry coordinating coordination manager with the Canadian Potato Council in Ottawa. Thanks very much for joining us today, David. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. It's good to have the chance to talk. Yeah, I know you and I we we talk quite a bit uh, on lots of different files and. Uh, we miss seeing you down here. Uh, you know, we often see you for potato events and things like that. Hopefully, post-COVID, we'll see you back on the island for some stuff. So most of my audience, David, would know you fairly well or at least know of you. Tell us a little bit about your role with the Canadian Potato Council and in general, what, what does the Pota- Canadian Potato Council do? What are some of the key responsibilities of the Potato Council? Sure. Yeah, the Canadian Potato Council, uh, it's a national organization, and we have 11 member organizations, and those would be the provincial uh, potato grower organizations, like the Prince Edward Island Potato Board. So we have 11 members from eight provinces across Canada. Some provinces, the growers from different sectors, for example, in Manitoba, are represented by, by different organizations. So that that's why it doesn't quite balance out that we have more uh, organizations than provinces. Um, so we, uh, we work together with the provincial uh, potato grower organizations on issues of national significance. So my role is uh, essentially to, to coordinate those activities um, and address those national issues on behalf of potato growers right across Canada. So um, we are we have a national voice and we work with the federal government. Um, we have uh, you know regular communications with uh, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, the Pest Management and Regulatory Agency. So. We deal in a lot of different areas, and my role is, uh, as manager is to sort of be the point person for coordinating uh, national positions on, on issues that we can bring forward uh, as one voice to the federal government. And uh, so we ended up, we end up uh, responding to a lot of consultations on uh, government policy, uh, maybe new things they're bringing in or changes that they're bringing in. 
And uh, one of the things that's very important is uh, is the pesticide area and responding to uh, consultations from the Pest Management Regulatory Agency on, on decisions that potentially would have a significant uh, negative impact on the on the potato sector in Canada. So that's sort of my role. I've been with uh, CPC for 11 years now. Uh, time time really flies flies yeah. by. So uh, I think my role can be uh, sort of a characterized as a, a jack of all trades because we get I get involved in a lot of areas uh, in research with the cluster research, which uh, you know Ryan is the the vice chair of the Canadian Potato Council Research Working Group. So we work closely together on that and. There's also issues about agri-marketing. We get funding for the agri-marketing program that the PI Potato Board participates in. And like I said, dealing with uh, policy consultations from the government. So quite a wide-ranging uh, area of activities. So, yeah, there's always lots going on. And uh, it's important to have a national voice on some of these things, especially on uh, on things that do impact kind of everybody. They may not impact every province in the same way or in the same time, but um, it's important a lot of the time for, for us to have that um, national voice and, and to make sure that we have somebody in Ottawa that has the ear of uh, the powers that be and the, and the key people to make sure that we're, that we are being heard. So you mentioned one area that you're particularly that the CPC and yourself is very involved in is around um, decisions on pesticide reviews that come out of uh, the PMRA. And I know you've been down to speak uh, a couple of times at some of our potato conferences and workshops and stuff. And, um, you know, we, we've uh, we valued uh, hearing from you on that. And I know you've been uh, our point person on that now for a while. Um, in the last number of years, we've seen quite a number of um, pesticide reviews, uh, some on products maybe that we don't hear about so much or that aren't maybe as as uh, uh, top of the, top of mind but then we've also had some fairly big uh, active ingredients and some fairly big products uh, go under review and actually um, you know we've been able to retain use of some of those products even when you know the proposed decision was to cancel them um, tell us a little bit you know uh, about sort of how that process has gone the last few years David and Particularly, uh, I know a big one that we worked on together and, and I think all, all the associations worked on was around chlorothalonil uh, and, and some changes uh, in terms of, uh, you know, keeping access to chlorothalonil. Yeah, chlorothalonil certainly was uh, really one of the uh, first big uh, responses that we put together, putting it together a grower response to the PMRA. Um, chlorothalonil, the original decision, uh, Actually, it was back in 2011, and that was to maintain all uses. And then PMRA came out in 2016 with a, an amended decision, and the impact on that on potatoes was that it limited uh, the number of applications to one one application. That was what the proposed decision was from PMRA. Um, so what we did at that time with chlorothalonil was we went out and did a a grower survey, and this was done through the provincial uh, potato boards that they distributed that uh, grower survey to uh, to growers, and it was to get uh, use information of how growers use the product. Uh, for example, the rates they're using, the number of applications they're using, 
And at that particular time, it was um, a concern about uh, re-entry into treated fields. So we asked fairly detailed questions about re-entry activities, um, like, uh, for example, going into the field for pest monitoring, uh, for roguing, irrigation purposes. And to quantify that and provide that data back to PMRA, and it was very, very effective in changing the decision that they had made. So, you know, the, the final decision that came out from PMRA regarding chlorothalonil, as you know, it was, you know, there was limited to three applications, but it still was an improvement. So in many cases with the reevaluation responses, we've responded to with PMRA, um, the information we've contributed you know, was partially influential in changing the decision. Like on Mancozeb is a good example. Right. Um, that, that use was retained. And there's many other active ingredients where, in actual fact, the original decision was to cancel all the uses. And we have been able to maintain at least the product use with some practice, mitigation practices, which may mean a reduction in the number of applications or rates or whatever. But, you know, I think. We have been successful, and a lot of that is due to grower input that we reach out to the growers to gain the use information so that we can clarify um, errors and assumption that PMRA makes. And we have to have the information to go back and say, no, that what you're assuming is not correct. Here's what's actually happening in, happening in the field, and here's the data to uh, support that. Yeah, that's important so, because I know there's – there's times when the label, the label, what was put on the label for say usage may have been say 10 or 15 or 20 years old in terms of how it was used and it's never been updated, but the growers, you know, they're not using it eight times a year. Or they're not using it 10 times a year or they're not using it at the high rate and, and, uh, or they're only using it certain times of the year. And, and all those things go into, you know, mitigating risk and, and need to be reflected. And so in some cases, you know, I know some of the more recent decisions, you know, the changes in label have, have oftentimes kind of just reflected what's happening on farms anyway. Yeah, and that's what we have to capture and communicate back to PMRA. And uh, of course, I don't know, the 2016 submission we put in was a great example of how grower input really influenced the decision, right? And uh, that's that. Is critical for you know for the growers to understand that their voice does matter and it uh, it, it does make a difference. So on chlorothalonil, so kind of the usually I'm not about breaking news on uh, Spud Chat, but uh, last week uh, PMRA re released a another decision on chlorothalonil after it just as you say just being reviewed uh, not very long ago. And uh, and they have a new decision which is looking to cancel all uses for uh, chlorothalonil. So you know, for growers that are you know know it more more by trade names, we're talking about Bravo or Echo. So tell us a little bit about you know where where this decision comes from, and you know sort of you know what what is PMRA? Why why are they, they uh, reevaluating and and looking to cancel this after the process that we just went through? Yeah, that's a good question, Ryan. This uh, really caught everybody by surprise. Um, you know, you know, having just gone through the reevaluation, which ended in 2018, and gave it, uh, you know, that the use was acceptable 
um, that the risks associated with quartzalanine use were acceptable just in 2018. And then uh, for this decision to come out, uh, it's a proposed decision at this point, Last uh, came out last week. So under the uh, Pest Control Products Act that regulates pesticides in Canada, there is the ability of the minister to initiate what's called a special review. And a special review can be initiated if there's uh, there's reasonable reasonable grounds uh, to, to believe that the use of that product uh, poses health or environmental risks or, or the product doesn't have value. So it is a legislative authority that the minister has to initiate a special review. And apparently this was done back in 2018 um, and it was very under the radar. Like I was certainly not, not aware, aware of uh, this being done, but um there was some new information, I guess, that came to light um, just when the reevaluation was was finished, finishing up in 2018. So there was new information uh, that was generated about uh, some um, some of the breakdown products and uh, the, you know the toxicity of the breakdown products, uh, and also in the uh, the EU that they had uh, also conducted a dietary risk assessment and in 2019 they actually initiated they actually uh, canceled the uses of chlorothalonil in europe so those things combined i guess to uh to give the minister some reasonable uh concern so that apparently was the the, the uh the reason for initiating this special review which the, the decision proposed decision just came out last week so there were two areas that were identified in the special review to look at. One was under health, and that involved uh, some of the the, the uh, breakdown products or metabolites and the impact on, on human health in, in the diet and, uh, and also in water. And then on the other side, there was some concern about new information that came about uh, the toxicity to um, some of the, you know, organisms. So that is the two areas that kind of triggered this review, human health and uh, and also environment. Right. So in terms of, you know, I know the, I'm talking with growers here, Bravo and, and, and Echo and those sort of chlorophyll their products, they're now the maximum number of uses in a year is three. Um, and I know that we, there's been a lot of extension done here about if people are using chlorothalonil, that they're not putting it on early in the season, or at least they're making sure that if they are putting it on, say, you know, before full row closure, they're band spraying instead of use, doing full sprays. But I know the usage pattern that I hear with growers that are either, you know, putting it on after full row closure or maybe late in the season. This year, I know a few people that got into using it late in the season because they were trying to also control botrytis. We haven't had a big problem with uh, late blight here the last number of years, but um, this year there was a bit more botrytis that we saw around. So it's important to keep as many tools in the toolbox as we have. Yes, they have to be used safely and responsibly and, and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, there's, been a lot of work done to show that, you know, chlorothalonil can be products can be used, you know, in a, in a, in a safer way than, than maybe they had been in the past. And it, it's, it's frustrating when, when these sort of reviews kind of come out of, 
seemingly come out of nowhere when, you know, we feel that we've, you know, the industry's done a good job at trying to, trying to, to share that information with uh, PMRA. Yeah. And just to point out too, that uh, I will be working with the registrants and Genta in this case to find out what information we can provide them and how we can work together to uh, address this proposed decision. And we, we still, we have the opportunity to comment on it and to, to provide new information um, in response to this proposed decision. Um, unfortunately, with a special review, there's only 45 days, 45 calendar days to submit a response. So, you know, that's uh, challenging, I guess, but we will surely in consultation with with the registrant of the product, decide what kind of information we're going to require. And I can almost assure you that we will be reaching out to the potato boards to reach out to their grower members to uh, to provide some information that will will be helpful to us uh, in our response back to PMRA. And uh, again, it'll be you know typical use information of how the product is being used because. We haven't we haven't done this since the new label changes came in with the, the limitation to three uh, three applications. So it's a chance to go back and to ask those questions again to growers and then compile that information and use it to back up our our position with PMRA. Yeah. So you mentioned so there is a comment period, and I know you know CPP and the and the individual grower organizations will definitely be providing responses on behalf of our industries and behalf of our provinces to uh, on this. But you mentioned, you know, how can, how can an individual grower be, you know, th- that wants to make sure that they have access, you know, to these tools in the toolbox, you know, responsibly, of course, and sustainably, but how, how can our individual growers sort of, be, you know, help you and help, uh, help all of us in terms of, you know, being part of this process? Yeah, the contributions of of individual growers um, is really critical if we want a good overview of how the product is used in Canada. So I would certainly encourage, um, you know, participation in a survey that that comes out from your provincial potato board uh, uh, on behalf of the Canadian Potato Council. That's how we would distribute this through the provincial potato boards. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, I don't... At this point, I don't really know what we'll be asking for, to be honest, until we we have a discussion. But um, this will not be an extensive uh, questionnaire. I would envision it to be probably five to ten minutes, uh, just very, very basic questions about helping us understand how the product is used today so that we can communicate that back to PMRA. So, yeah, individual grower participation is really critical to support our efforts. to preserve or protect the use of these products that are so critical. Um, and, you know, we've been successful in the past and, and I, I just urge you to, you know, to make that effort to, to do, to do that and participate if, if that request comes out. And can individual growers send in their own responses as well? Like, can they also provide a, a letter to PMRA and, you know, explaining why, you know, th- this product is important on their farm? Yeah, certainly. I think comments are, are always always welcome, and uh, you know, comments from the grower community tend to get kind of lost 
uh, I mean, like on the individual grower community, because they're simply outnumbered by the responses from the, you know, the other advocates for um, on on, on uh, count, you know, countering the use of the, the product. So yeah, right. the individual voices from from growers um, is important to to balance that out for sure. Definitely. Well, I think the, the story here right now is uh, growers should stay tuned and watch their inboxes. There'll likely be more coming on this likely fairly soon. Um, and uh, from the PEI Potato Board and from CPC in terms of how we can be part of this conversation and, and you know, make sure that people have the ability to, to be heard. And, uh, you know, I think we always want to be in the industry. I know, like, we were involved in a lot of sustainability projects here in PEI. We've been, we've had staff members and growers that have been part of a number of different projects around, say, reducing the frequency of fish kills and reduce, trying to eliminate fish kills altogether. We, part of the PEI agri-watershed partnership, you know, we've been involved in a lot of projects that are, you know, trying to keep, you know, improving and maximizing the sustainability of our industry and, and you know, that it's environmentally safe as well as, you know, safe for humans and safe for workers and everything else. But we also need to have access to, you know, to good tools that, you know, for our toolbox to be able to, you know, to grow a crop and to be able to battle some of these diseases and particularly late blight, we don't have a lot of tools in that toolbox. And if we lose chlorothalonil, you know, um, it, it really, you know, it really limits our options. You know, thankfully, we haven't had a lot of late blight recently uh, in, in most of Canada. And that's due to, of course, you know, things like spore trapping and, and you know, keeping volunteers at bay and, and you know, keeping the inoculum down. I think there's a lot of great stuff going on to keep late blight at bay, but it only takes, you know, one outbreak in one place to, in a, in a year when, you know, late blight gets out of control and then you really wish that you had more options um, because once it gets spread and it can spread pretty fast. So, um, you know, it's important that we try and keep responsible use of our, of our tools and, and make sure that we are using them at the right time. I know, as I said before, like here, there's been a lot of movement now on, you know, if people are using Bravo, they're using it later in the season. And, and uh, when there's less of, seems to be less of a risk of it, you know, binding to soil and moving to water. And I think that's had a, that's been really well received here, um, particularly by some people in our watershed groups and that sort of thing. And I think, you know, it's had a very positive effect and we haven't had seen some of the issues in the past that may have been, you know, that, that people may have had questions about, um, pesticides and, and fish kills and that sort of thing. And I think we've done a really good job on that the last number of years. So um, I think we need to keep highlighting, you know, where we have made, we've, we've, we've taken on the label changes and the advice and the, you know, the necessary improvements to make sure that we can keep, uh, keep using these tools. Well, thanks very much for, uh, for joining us for, uh, for just a little quick, a hit on this specific topic, David. As as I said, growers should be keeping an eye on their inboxes here in the next couple of weeks uh, to see how they can be part of this. Is there anything else that with the CPC right now that we should be? We're we're getting up close to uh, meetings uh, in March uh, are coming up quickly, eh? Yeah, the next CPC meeting uh, will be in uh, I guess March. Uh, 
March the 8th, I believe. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the uh, Canadian Horticultural Council meetings were cancelled uh, and have gone to a virtual, not cancelled, but they've gone to a virtual format. And uh, similarly, the um, the CPC will be meeting meeting virtually as well. So that's one of our three, three meetings uh, each year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were fortunate to be able to get together in December in person in Ottawa. Uh, we sort of hit a window um, with the pandemic where uh, that that was allowed us to make that happen, which was good. We hadn't seen each other for quite a long time. Uh, right. Unfortunately, we're going back and to uh, a virtual format, but um, we've made it work and uh, we hope to have a good meeting in, in March. So. Right. Here's hoping that's the last virtual meeting of the CPC for a while. I'm sure most people would agree with that sentiment. Uh, my last question on Spud Chat, usually, David, is uh, I usually ask most people, uh, do you have a favorite uh, variety of potatoes? Uh, I like them all. I like them all. That's a very diplomatic yeah. answer. Like I like a good baked russet. Let me put that yeah. way. So. Yeah. Well, no, that, that's, uh, that's definitely been uh, come up uh, a number of times in terms of a favorite way. So thanks so much, David. Uh, and uh, thanks for all the work you do on behalf of growers here in PEI and, and across Canada. And uh, we'll be staying tuned. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. It's always good to talk. Thanks. Thanks.